The one story that can supercharge your traffic, increase your conversions, is your customer story. I'm going to send you nine systems for finding and collecting those stories no matter where they happen. Just text GMS9 to 321-392-6692 or click the link in the show notes to get those today. In a world full of boring stories, bad videos, and marketing misinformation, one very tall man with a weird last name will use his microphone. Is this thing on? Use his video marketing knowledge. It's the red button, right? And use his friends. Please be on the show. To change that. You are listening to The Garlic Marketing Show with Ian. What? No, that's how you pronounce it. Well, if you say so, your host, Ian Garlic. Welcome to another episode of The Garlic Marketing Show. And I've got an interesting guest today. Our guest today is actually an umpire for Little League Baseball. And you might be asking, you know, why do I have an umpire for Little League Baseball? Well, he was also a film critic at Rutgers. But in his spare time, he put out, sent out 1.3 billion pieces of direct mail, <laughs> bought over $80 million in media for direct response, and sold 3 million books via television via direct response in three years. I mean, that's absolutely amazing. Brian Kurtz, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, and I love that introduction because actually I'm as proud when I get to when I get to the little, little League World Series as an umpire. I'm probably going to be more proud of that than the 1.3 billion pieces of direct mail. That's awesome. Yeah, I can only imagine. I one of my friends, um, his son was in the Little League World Series, and man, oh, he which was proud. which town was that? Uh, Orlando. Okay, my, yeah. my my hometown, Westport, Connecticut, was in the Little League World Series three years ago, and. Uh, I umpired in the Eastern Regional that year too. It was really that's, cool. That's so yeah. cool. That's amazing. Yeah. But uh, you know, and also uh, Brian has an awesome book coming out. Uh, we'll talk about later. TheLegendsBook.com. He's offering a ton of amazing materials. I mean, you've got thirty plus years of experience here at your fingertips. I highly suggest checking that out right away. You can stop the podcast and listen and go get it. Uh, but Brian, so let's talk. I want to get right into it. Um, You've seen the direct response change and you've seen it evolve from direct mail where you cut your teeth into online and you're around some of the best direct response marketers in the world. How, how have you stayed adapted to it? How have you stayed uh, up to speed? That's a great question, Ian. Um, by the way, I love saying Ian because my best friend from second grade is named Ian, not Ian. <laughs> so you are an Ian and I like that. Thanks, Bob. Uh, um, so... You know, great question. I, I think that, you know, I really believed when the Internet started, you know, getting re- hot and heavy as far as a marketing medium, I really saw it as the ultimate direct response medium. You know, the idea that not only now we can do everything to get response and measurable response and do the same kind of metrics that we did in direct mail, but you can get it so much faster. You know, I was a kid in a candy store. You know, it was sort of like I used to have to wait. 12 weeks to get results, you know, on my direct mail campaigns. And then on the internet, you know, with email marketing and, and search and, and, um, uh, we've done launches, we've done all sorts of stuff, e-newsletters. I was able to get that immediate response, but I really always was a slave to, you know, measurable and accountable advertising. So what I've seen is I, if I had to pick one thing that I've seen 
in this transition that both excites me and troubles me at the same time is that I think that the internet being such a low barrier to entry, so inexpensive to get in, that's a great thing, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. low bar, you can get in quickly. I always used to say, you know, uh, paying postage made me a great marketer because I had to pay so much in in postage and printing in direct mail that I had to think so much more about every message before I spent the money to put it out there. I remember the urban legend about that email was going to be charged postage at one point. And I actually <laughs> like that idea because that would actually, you know, weed out a lot of the imposters who are cluttering up our inboxes with, with crap. So, so I don't want to sound like grandpa saying, you know, you, you know, internet marketers are doing crappy marketing. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that what's missing a lot is that because it's so easy to find a target audience through affiliate marketing or through affiliate networks, It's so easy to come up with an offer that's irresistible online. The thing that's not paid as much attention to is the creative and the messaging and the sales letters and the, you know, the things that I grew up with, with the legends of copywriting, the legends of marketing. And I think if you put world-class creative on top of the irresistible offer and on top of the great list segmentation and, and, and list, um, work that you can do, whether it's through affiliates or through cold list prospecting, I think when you put those things together, it it exponentially grows your business. And I think a lot of people have been able to make a lot of money very, very quickly by not actually paying that much attention to the creative and the messaging and the copy because the other stuff kind of sells itself and you can get quick, you can get rich pretty fast on the internet without a lot of, um, um, let's call it talent in the creative area. And so, you know, a flashing arrow with a red box is not world-class creative. It could be effective for certain things that you do online, but there's so much more you can do. So I just love the idea of making sure that, you know, your marketing campaign is just that. Um, I think you have an expression about stacking media, which we can talk about because I think multi-channel is also important. But just as we talk about this transition, I just think there's a lot of lazy marketers online where you don't have to be. If you're not, you can exponentially grow your business and not just make some money on the side. I Oh yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's getting more difficult because the space is getting more crowded. And, yes. And, and some of the other media, you know, is, is less crowded. I always used to say, I, I like to say the least crowded inbox is the one you grew up with, assuming you're my age. I think if you're under 30, I have to make sure that you know what a mailbox is uh, <laughs> or, you know, you know what actually a, you know, a letter looks like paper looks like, but I don't want to, I'm, I'm being, I'm being actually, I'm being very sarcastic for a reason. You know, people in their twenties actually receive mail and I've actually polled every person under 30 years old at every marketing meeting, every client I ever visit to make sure they understand if, if they understand what a mailbox is, and they all do, and if you ask them, I'm talking like, I always find the youngest person in the room, and I'm at a meeting, at a client meeting, I find the youngest person in the room, usually they're in their 20s, and I first ask the question, do you, you, know, do you know what a mailbox is? And then once they tell me, it's the thing at the end of your driveway or in your lobby or whatever, and then I, I go this whole line of questioning that, you know, if you got a, a, a big um, package in that, in that mailbox, a, a, a lumpy mail or something that looked like it was a value. And would you open that before you open the next 16, you know, in, emails that came into your inbox 
since you went out to check your mail? And they would say, yeah, I would check that first. And I know it's it sounds anecdotal, but it's 100%. It's 100%. 100%. 100%. I had something come to me the other day. I'm like, oh, I open it up. And because it stands out now. You're, totally. you're there's less noise. I mean, you've got like three catalogs. I have a business. So, you know, I have three business catalogs come in. You know, two of them stay or go on someone else's desk. But if there's a big package, that's getting opened. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, and I talk it, a lot about, you know, direct mail to to nine people or nine hundreds, the same as what I did to nine million. You know, it's like you have to think about the list segmentation. You have to think about what you can send and how much you can send and the value of every person on your list. So therefore, you can afford to spend a lot more on the people that have spent a lot more money with you. And that's where you get into lumpy mail and more expensive one-to-one direct mail. I don't want to make this about direct mail, but it's a good example of how you can incorporate other media into your mix in addition to just, you know, online, which is the cheapest. Well, it, 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 it's online's the cheapest when you don't consider your time, when you don't consider how much you actually point. spend, how good much, point. you know, if time is lost too. You know, if you can get in front of someone and it takes you one piece of $25 mail, it, yeah, which sounds crazy expensive, right? But if you send it to 100 people, you spend $2,500 and you get in front of 10 of those people where it would take you a year, I mean, and you value your time at all, you do the math, all of a sudden you're spending, you know, you're, you're taking your time value down, your personal time value down to cents. Yeah, you know? I know a guy, I know a guy who, um, his, his model is, a, you know, a real ascension program where, you know, he has low price products for professionals and the ultimate product is a mastermind group that probably costs twenty or $25,000 a year. And he actually did a, did so much good stuff in his lead generation that there were certain leads that he would literally send a box. It was, a, it was huge. It, it looked like, I mean, it looked a little bit like a, like a small coffin, but it was like a pet coffin, but it was like this huge wooden box. And in the wooden box was all this stuff about his programs. And then we actually, in, in, in a, in a, in a uh, hot seat that he did, we actually said, why don't you also put a plane ticket on the inside of the box? Each one of these boxes cost about a hundred bucks. And these were good leads of people who could be potential mastermind members. But mm-hmm. he knew that the only way to sell them the mastermind was to get them to this live event that was technically a few hundred bucks to get to. But instead, he spent the hundred bucks on this box with the plane ticket because he got many more people to attend. And all he had to do was think about it, convert one of those at 25,000 bucks. I I don't want to get crazy about the metrics, but you can see that's direct mail, by the way, you know, and it was, it was an incredible program. It was funny because he had this great thing. And that when the guy in the room said, why don't you just add it for $200 more, put a voucher for a plane ticket on the inside. Cause he said his biggest thing is that if he was in front of an audience, you, you know, this, you know, and a lot of your, a lot of your listeners do when you're selling a high ticket live event, the best place to sell it is at a live event. So, uh, <laughs> and getting them to that first live event at a low price or cheap is how you get them into the smaller mastermind group. I thought the whole thing was just such a bro. I don't know if it's going to work. He actually is just doing it now, uh, but that he was like, he didn't think twice about spending 110 bucks per c- potential customer, but there was some there was some um, qualifying of that lead before he'd send him the $110 box, of course. 
Yeah. Yeah, and there's qualifying, and I'm sure there's some sort of other follow-up within there, isn't there? Uh, a lot of phone, a lot of phone. Like, it, in other words, the salespeople on the phone would identify this person that as somebody that if I think we can get them to the low-priced or cheap or free live event, we can prop. They're, they're qualified to be in our twenty twenty-five thousand dollar mastermind, so therefore they deserve the hundred and ten-dollar box to get them there. It, 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 you know, with everything that we're doing, and we're all online, 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 one of the things I tell people, you know, and we're talking about channel stacking later, but one of the things I tell people, and you know, you're getting to this point, is that all online is, if you're done right, is an augmentation of a human interaction, right? Totally. That's, that's all it is. And if you can get more of a human interaction, any type, type of touch and feel, then you're, you're going to be better off. Yeah, I'll, I'll just pull out the, uh, my 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 uh, my little plug for direct mail. I don't think direct mail should be used for um, uh, front end lead generation marketing because it's just too expensive now with postage and printing and all that. But interestingly, one of the things that I'm working on is a concept that I've been really thinking about for years. Going back to your original question about you know offline to online transition, I call it O to O to O. Um, you know, online to offline to online or offline to online to, to, to offline. And you can go in all different directions, but you want to keep weaving in and out by meeting the customer where they want to be met. That's what it's really about. Oh, yeah. So with a, one of the interesting things about the pro a project I'm working on now, I can't talk about the client, right? But they have done an amazing job online, digital product, big time launches. I'm talking about eight figure launches. Um, and they have created a lot of physical product because in direct mail, you're not going to sell digital. You're going to sell physical product. So they could take the digital product that they've sold in the tens of millions of dollars, create physical product from it, whether it's books, DVDs, transcripts, whatever. We create an offer for direct mail that looks nothing like the offer that they were offering because now you got physical product. We combine certain aspects of the offer that are different. And instead of like a free preview online to get them to pay, the direct mail offer is like a $49 package of stuff. Now, completely different and completely different audiences because now we're going to go to lists that you wouldn't get to normally. So the overlap between the two might be 10%. You go to this direct mail audience. The thing I want to stress to the, to the listeners about your idea of stacking and my idea of O to O to O is that in the uh, direct mail – the, the engagement level of, of a prospect with a direct mail package, a long letter, a 12-page letter, a 15 a, – a, a, I've done 64-page bookalogs. They look like little digests. The engagement factor in that piece of direct mail, so different than an email, so different than a, than a, than a display ad. So the quality – I don't want to say they're better, but let's say the quality of that engagement – then gets them to buy the product, that person, and I will, anybody who's done online and offline in their business will tell you that that buyer will be a, have a much higher lifetime value than the person that originated in a, in a, in a um, lower copy environment online, a less engagement, I'm making up terms, low, lower copy environment. I just made that <laughs> up. Uh, but, but the engagement factor is so much less. Now, the, here's here's where the here's where the the explosion takes place and why I'm so excited. I talk about being a kid in a candy store. You get that engagement level in direct mail with world class copy, 
world-class list selection, the best offer that you can come up with. You get this group of buyers and now you get their email address in the process by giving them a free special report, a free premium on top of what the offer was in direct mail. Now they give you their email address. They doubt the ones who want to. I mean, some people are too old. We have people, we have people on our list at boardroom that were, you know, in their seventies and eighties, they weren't downloading shit. You know, it wasn't going to happen. So I wasn't going to get their email address, but a lot of people will give it to you with a free premium. Now you get them into the online funnel. Now we can inexpensively do all of our back end if they want to be communicated with online. But then I still wouldn't, I'd still go back and forth because those people who bought in direct mail, I might want to throw an inexpensive direct mail offer at them six months down the road for a new physical product that I put together because I know that they respond through direct mail. But now I'm working, I'm working every possible angle <clears throat> to communicate with them. And I think you said it best. You said the exact words were, I the exact words were, it was like, you're, you can engage in any medium, um, you know, at, at a very deep level. And now I've got them where I want them because they love me. I love them. I've developed a relationship. And if it's direct mail they want, great. If it's an insert in their product, great. If it's email, great. If it's, you know, feeding them a retargeted ad in Facebook, great. I can do all of that. But why be in one medium? I, I have a blog going out this week. It's like I even say something like, why would you call yourself an internet marketer? I mean, why define yourself by a channel? You're a direct yep. marketer who's got to be open to all channels. Yep. So anyway. Well, I, you know, in, as you're talking about that and, and talking about direct mail, it, it brings me to a point when I, I'm when it comes to all this, I love neuroscience. I love the way the brain reacts and I love how we think about it. And I happened to be at, uh, my son started at Montessori school and they talked about the, the, the hand brain connection oh. and, and it, that's, it, it's, you don't get it with the internet. You don't get it with the internet, but when someone hands says something, but if, if you're moving them back and forth and, and interacting all the senses, that's when we become true friends. Brilliant. That's brilliant. And, brilliant, and, brilliant. And if we think about it that way. It's like you just want to engage this person wherever they are. I think that's a huge point that you make. Don't make the people come to you. Don't say, I like direct mail, so I'm going to make direct mail work. Or I like video, so I'm going to make video work. It's what they want. And then Yeah, can, some people will never buy on fa do anything on Facebook, but they'll do it in email. You know, some people are much more email. Yeah, a quick little tangent about that. That's brilliant what you said. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to get it lost. And there's another aspect to this uh, tactile aspect and the idea of, of um, uh, how people learn and how people uh, uh, absorb information. Dan Sullivan, who runs Strategic Coach, he's, mm. uh, I'm a strategic coach and Dan is a, a, a coach of mine and just an amazing man. 40 years of coaching entrepreneurs. He basically says one of the biggest mistakes he sees is when people are taking notes at a conference, for example, to, to not write your notes as opposed to, to do them on a laptop. Big, big mistake. There's actually um, data. I thought you were going to say this about, and I love the fact that your kids are in Montessori, you know, that, that um, you, um, there's, a, there's a connection, your brain to like your index finger and your thumb. And the actual act of writing is a much different connection than the one when you're typing at a keyboard or at a mouse. And so 
I'm not saying that, you know, you shouldn't use a computer and you shouldn't take notes on your computer. I, I'm all for it. But it's very interesting. Like, I, I think that and again, look, I think that our kids, I mean, you, you, have, you have little kids and, you know, mine are in their 20s. You know, they have a much different learning, um, you know, uh, way di- they learn way different than I did. And I probably learned way different than you did. You being uh, quite a bit younger than me. But I will say that that connection of of the tactile is very important. And you just took it to another level when you said, you know, people receiving something physical versus something digital. It's both. You know, yeah, DVDs are dying. CDs are dead. Last time I checked, VHS don't exist anymore. Um, so I, I get all that. You know, the world is moving that way. But you know what? I wrote I wrote a blog recently. I called it Books Are Still a Perfect Product. And, you know, no matter how many digital books you have and how I do a lot of books on audio. Um, a lot of my books are on 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 Kindle. But I got to tell you, I got a library, um, you know, that's to die for. And yep. the physical book is not dead. And so no. it's again getting people how that everybody learns differently. I know a lot of young guys in their twenties and thirties and, and women in their twenties and thirties who tell me I can't, I can't read on a Kindle. I'm like, really? I'm so surprised. <laughs> That's something I would say at 58 years old, not something you would say. They say that, but oh, yeah. you got to go where the, was when Gretzky said, you got to go where the puck's going, not where it is. Yep. And it's not necessarily all going to a hundred percent digital. Digital is the way. I, I got it. I, I'm I'm not I'm not a luddite. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. Well, it, it is. It's part of it. But the, you know, to the direct mail piece, you've got to go where people are just starting to go again. It's I always think of like a nightclub. That's the way I think of marketing. It's like a nightclub. It's like a nightclub has a six month life, and you know, the, the, all the hot girls go there for a little bit, and then some of the rich guys go there. And eventually everyone's there. So the hot girls go away. It, it's, it's the same thing with marketing, right? It, it's yeah. it, and no one and staying on top of it. So that brings me to a, a big question I have for you. Um, you've, you've been through this for a long time. You've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs. You've, you've done so much and you have such a wealth of knowledge that if I wasn't, I'm, I'm deep in this world. I'm still like, Ooh, it's a little overwhelming for me. When it comes to an entrepreneur, I'm saying like a, a not an internet marketing or a marketer entrepreneur, but like a traditional, I'm going to start this X business. I'm going to be a lawyer, doctor, dentist, but I want to grow the business. What do you think are the marketing skill sets they should start to develop right now? That's a great question. It's so funny. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't expecting this today. I really wasn't that question, but I'm working on a presentation. I'm actually going to Hungary, to Budapest, Hungary in a week and a half to speak to um, a group of Hungarian entrepreneurs, which sounds like an oxymoron, right? Because that, that was a communist country. Um, but what I can't go in there and start talking about, you know, techniques on Facebook and how to do retargeting and how to do, you know, regression analysis on your list. I mean, I'll lose them immediately. So I just pulled up this morning, a blog post, and I called it the nine eternal truths about marketing. Every entrepreneur should know. And I did this on a on, a, on, a, on an event that I was on, an online conference that I did, which was all about, if you're not a marketer, what do you need to know? And I'll just really rattle these off and just I'll be able to do these quickly. But one of them is be involved in all of your marketing efforts, even if you're outsourcing everything. So let's say you're a dentist and you hate marketing, but you know that it's important, but you don't want to just outsource it and say, do me. 
you want to be involved in some way. You might want to have somebody as an intermediary. Maybe you hire somebody who's one of your office staff. Maybe your hygienist it, you know, has a propensity toward at least understanding stuff. So you, when you outsource, don't outsource all the way because the more that you can be involved and the thing that there's a concept I call congruent marketing. And what congruent marketing is that marketing's not evil, right? I mean, a lot of people who don't understand direct marketing who are entrepreneurs will think that marketing's evil. It can be, and selling can be evil if you do it the wrong way. But my thing, and what I'm going to tell the Hungarian entrepreneurs, is that you can be congruent with whatever your mission or vision is. Mm-hmm. That you will, you know, if you're selling, you know, if you're teaching people how to flip houses in real estate, you're going to have a different language. Not that you're going to be shyster, not that you're going to do anything illegal, but you're going to be a little bit more aggressive in your language. Those people have a propensity to want to like get into it and sell and boom, boom, boom. If I'm selling a meditation or yoga stuff, my language has to be congruent with who I am as some kind of a guru in that market. And the fact is what I teach anybody who wants to get into marketing to get grow their business, don't be afraid. In fact, I'm the title of my speech for my Hungarian uh, group. I'm going to I'm going to quote it's actually it's not it's not a you're from you might be from Wisconsin, aren't you? Yeah. So, Vince Lombardi gets credit for the quote winning is not everything it's the only thing i looked mm-hmm. it up on wikipedia yep. it's some coach from ucla in the 50s well it's actually before that i thought you were gonna say i'm pretty sure it was um it was an eastern european general in there like you 19, go yeah so lombardi vince lombardi the coach of the green bay packers he gets credits with a lot but he gets credit, <laughs> he gets credit with that quote but yeah. the reason why I bring up winning isn't everything, it's the only thing, is the quote. My, my presentation to these Hungarian entrepreneurs who probably are afraid of marketing is going to be marketing isn't everything, it's the only thing. And mm-hmm. what I'm going to teach them is that it's at their own speed, at their own pace, in their own language. And if they have a mission or a vision that they want to share with the world, which all these people do, it's like, would you rather share it with dozens or millions? And so you're not going to do anything. Nothing happens until we get into marketing. So, you know, being involved with, you know, with the, with the outsource, knowing that it's not evil, that you can do it in a congruent way. Also, this one's important based on our previous conversation, knowing that advertising opportunities are now infinite, which is a term I got from a, 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 an investment banker in New York when he buys and sells companies, he goes in knowing that advertising opportunities now are infinite. That demands specialization. You know, you're wearing a baseball hat for the Milwaukee Brewers. The most important person on that team most years when they're winning is their closer. The guy behind me, that painting, is Mariano Rivera, who was the closer for the Yankees, meaning he was the guy that got the last three outs of every game. The fact that the specialization of baseball, the specialization of everything is important. There's a guy, mm-hmm. you're, you're an SEO expert. You probably know quite a bit about Facebook. You probably know quite a bit about um, you probably know quite a bit about email marketing. You probably even know quite a bit about direct mail. Am I going to go to Ian for all of my marketing needs? I'm sorry, Ian. I'm not. No. I'm going to go to you though for the thing that you are most specialized in. I am a big believer. Anybody who's getting involved in marketing, one stop shopping is the most dangerous thing you can do. And I learned that in the 1980s. There were agencies, direct response agencies that you could go to to do your creative, 
to do your to do your marketing, to do your media buying, to do everything. And you know what? Dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. The best copywriters I ever met didn't work in an agency. Why? Because they can make a million dollars on their own in royalties because they're that good. Rather than getting a straight salary of $100,000 a year working in an agency, who's going to write better copy for you? So actually, the irony is that instead of one-stop shopping, it's the opposite in marketing. It's a la carte. You buy the specialists in each area, and then even within media, you buy the specialists. That's one of the best pieces of advice I could give to anybody who is new to marketing. You want to buy a la carte. You want to make sure that you know the specialists know what they're doing. And the interesting thing, my book, um, the, 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 the site is thelegendsbook.com. The title of the book is called The Advertising Solution, which I hate the title, by the way. We can talk about that. Yeah. I, I, I came into the project late. But what's interesting about that is that it's not about general advertising. It's about direct marketers who were trapped in a world of brand advertising because it's David Ogilvy, it's John Caples, it's um, Claude Hopkins, Robert Collier, Gary Halbert, and Gene Schwartz. Those six men that we profile in the book, that's why it's called The wow. Legends Wow. Those six guys that we profile in the book were like madmen, right? Advertising mm-hmm. madmen. You know, Claude Hopkins, who wrote scientific advertising, died in 1932. He wrote wow. scientific advertising, which is still the second book I recommend after Breakthrough Advertising by Gene Schwartz to every single person getting into marketing today. It was written in 1923 when there was no science. And yet that book, <laughs> principles in that book are as important as anything. So I'm coming, I'm, I'm all over the place here. But my point is this idea that the fundamentals don't matter. One of the things I'm going to tell the Hungarians, I'm going to quote Picasso, the great Picasso quote, you know, um, learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. I love that. And I love that's, that. that's what marketing's about. I, I don't think Vince Lombardi gets credit for that one. That one's Picasso. <laughs> so, you know, um, another another couple of quick things, just to quickly f- finish that point, is that you know I own I own the website singlechannelmarketingissoboring.com. If you go to singlechannelmarketingissoboring.com, you will go to my website. Believe it or not, even though my website is briankurtz.me, mm-hmm. but I but I love owning that URL because it, it it always reinforces that you always want to think about more than one channel. Um, I also I also always say to people who don't know marketing to to the same dentist. No one spends enough time on lists. The list might be the most important thing in everything you do. If the audience is right, you can get away with inferior offers and copy. You shouldn't. But if the offer is perfectly targeted, you're going to make some money. Yep. So the list, in fact, there's a 40-40-20 rule in marketing. 40% list, 40% offer, 20% creative. That's the mix of how the, I just did a blog post. I called it when 41% is a minority. I made list 41%. <laughs> uh, and then another quick thing is that if, if, if applicable, use your personal brand in your marketing. I think more yeah. and more today, you know, if you have credibility, if you have something, you know, boardroom, we had the founder of the company who was like a bloodhound for great information. That was a great technique because even though he wasn't a guru per se, he was certainly someone who was looking out for you. And so whatever that branding might be, use that to your advantage. Um, and then finally, uh, one of the things I always say, customers refund transactions, not relationships. Yes. So you really want to be in the relationship business, not in the transaction business. Um, 
Credibility and transparency trumps all. Very, very important for being in marketing. Always want to be transparent. That that point about congruent marketing, very important. And then I always say think direct marketing. Um, and by direct marketing, as we talked about at the outset, something that you can measure as opposed to general advertising, which is not measurable. Yes. So I think getting those would be the big things I would tell anybody getting into marketing. I love that. And th those so important. So important. Uh, Brent, that's fantastic. So uh, I guess people have to recap that. You should probably listen to that like 20 times. Get that through. <laughs> <laughs> um, they actually can go to my site. Um, if they go to my website, briankirks.me, there's a, a blog post as a search bar. And it's called The Nine Truths About Marketing Every Entrepreneur Should Know. And I outline those nine things in detail. So briankurtz.me, the nine, and just put in nine eternal truths and you'll pop up the, the, awesome. that, that article. And we'll add that link into the show notes too. So you That's can great. get straight That's great. into that. And uh, I'll probably tweet that out right after this anyways. And just keep tweeting it. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Um, so, you know, one of the things that you talked about was using your personal brand. Um, and, you know, we're running out of time, but I want to talk about this because a lot of people push back on it. But really, we buy people, don't we? I mean, it, like you said. Yeah, it, and list, list, list building is everything. I, you know, I, I can't emphasize that enough, you know, that I was talking to my financial planner today. List building is important to him because he has to know which clients are spending the most money with him, investing the most money with him, which clients are prospects, which clients are suspects. You know, if you're not list segmenting and if you're not messaging to the different segments differently, you make it a huge mistake. You know, the idea of one message fits all crazy. And with the Internet and email, it is so cheap to to in direct mail. It was expensive mm. to segment the list and have different messages because you had different zip what they call zip code streams in your po You know, you pay more postage by separating out the buyers from the prospects from the suspects and giving them each a different direct mail piece in email. That's simple. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. What, what would you say for, as far as just getting started with list building, do you, do you have a really good resource for that? A resource. I mean, you'd certainly want to have a, you know, one of the software programs, you want to have an AWeber and Infusionsoft, uh, you know, uh, uh, even, a you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, I, I don't know all the software, but you yeah, know, an active talking. campaign, we're in future software, exactly. partners, sales, so. con con <laughs> uh, sales contacts, whatever. So you want to have that. I mean, that's a resource, but I think you always want to think about how can I deliver going back to that thing about customers, refund transactions, not relationships. The initial thing about building the relationships, the internet gives us the opportunity to to really start with squeeze pages, to start with creating from our vast knowledge, whatever our knowledge is. I mean, I, I even with a guy, even with a dentist or a lawyer or whatever, you know, I used to say I, I once consulted with a um, a personal injury uh, attorney who, and yes, an ambulance chaser. Uh, I'm not I saying that negatively. I have a lot of them as clients. They're great. And you know what? I'm not saying it negatively. But don't market like every other ambulance chaser and be transparent. So the, the advice I gave to him, this is interesting. It's an interesting, interesting story. So he came, comes to me. I didn't know this, but you probably know this and your attorneys on this who are listening to this know this, that in certain states, 30 days after there's an accident and there's some kind of insurance claim, 
there's a list that's public record. And so 30 days after, you have all of these um, personal injury attorneys sending out the same thing. I mean, they all go out to the same list of people. And they copy each other. Injured in a car, I can help you. So what I told my client, I said, why don't you just like stick out from the crowd and do something completely different? And don't think about that you're going to get that client now. Because marketing is a long-term proposition, not a short-term. You want to play the long game. So to play the long game, it goes back to relationship. So what I said to him, we developed a piece that was a big 9 by 12 envelope, just like everybody else was sending out. But on this one, instead of his smiling face on the front saying, with his 800 number, I said, put something in there, you know, the five things you need to know as soon as you get into an accident, special report inside. You go inside, giving them a real piece of content, and then if you want, and then in there, if you want to be get my weekly or monthly, whatever you decide to do, blog posts on how to protect yourself in this incredibly litigious world, you know, sign up here. Then you get their email address, then you start blogging to them, and you know what? You don't ask for their next case. Let me tell you something. Legal work, just like buying a used car, is an episodic thing. People aren't buying a car every month. If I owned a used car lot, I wouldn't send my inventory on my used car lot every every week. What I would do is I'd get them on a list of mine, list building, through AWeber, you know, get them to squeeze, give them a free special report, the five things to the tell the five telltale signs that no one a used car salesman is going to rip you off. And you write this special report. You give them the report, they opt into your list. And now you start giving them blog posts. Guess what? They might not buy a used car this week, next week, or next month, but six months from now, when they're ready to buy a used car, who are they going to think about? Or when someone asks them, right? Or they That's hear right. There's this guy that, that sends out a blog post every week. He seems really knowledgeable about the used car market, and he never like tries to hard sell me in the emails. Yep. Like, yeah. Oh, it's so true. And you know, I want to take what you said there to a, a next level. Just because of the five reports thing, I'm pushing a lot because I'm telling people you got to start capturing your case studies, um, and you got to start capturing them. You know, we have these awesome. I mean, these are beautiful video cameras that we have in front of us. It's a computer in a in your hand, right? It's amazing. It's a miracle. And I'm it like, is. why aren't you capturing them? But you know, even take that report to the next level. A, a firsthand story: the five things I wish I would have known before my car accident. And and it's a it's nothing even about you. It's one of your your clients. And, exactly. And, and that's such a huge opportunity. But I love what you're doing there. Um. And and so many personal injury attorneys, so many used car. They they think it's a one time thing. If I don't get it, then it's over. Yeah. And that's it. And because Again, people re- refund transactions, not 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 relationships, applies to, you know, if they come in for the free cleaning you know, which might be the original offer at the dentist's office, that doesn't mean you have a customer for life. It's your, it's your relationship and your credibility that's going to get, and, and, and your good work in the used car area. Yeah. You might sell that first car. You're right. But if you, if you just did it for the first sale, you're going to have somebody who's unhappy. They're never going to come back. Lifetime value is one of the most important things every marketer needs to understand. In fact, there were some Facebook guys that I met that I was so impressed because they were ahead of a lot of the other Facebook guys because they were willing to sell a $10 product on Facebook at a loss on their first sale because they knew that if they moved them through a funnel, 
that the average sale for that buyer was $78. And they actually did the work to figure that out. And the average person on Facebook, if the first sale doesn't pay for the media, they're out, they're gone. Yep. And if you want, if you don't want, if you don't invest in life, in the life, you have to, you have to calculate the lifetime value of all of your customers. And then you have to live by that number. And that's how you invest in new media. Oh, it's so true. And it, yeah, that lifetime value, that's, those are the businesses that survive past those five years. The ones that's that understand right. that and build those relationships. Well, you must teach that in your, in your SEO stuff that you do. Oh. You know, you want to just, you, you want to have people that are looking at a much bigger view, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I, uh, the first SEO book I wrote, um, Stake Your Claim, was about building this up and building relationships. And SEO is just as much about building a relationship and and taking people through an educational process. It's not right. it, people. It, no one just goes to Google and goes. You don't go to Google and go toilet paper and buy the first thing you see. So when it comes to an attorney or a marketing agency, you know you're doing twenty, fifty, a hundred searches. You need to be there and be helping people. So yeah, you know the, the attorney one is interesting because as I said, everybody was sort of doing the same thing. And you know why would you want someone shopping for attorney? It's like it's It's the concept between of commodity versus specialty. So again, specialization is everything. And if you're an attorney and they see you as a commodity, then it's just on price. They're going to go to you because you gave them the free consultation, not because you were the best attorney for them for the long haul. And so I just, you know, I think everything that you do in life, whether it's marketing or not, you must think in terms of specialty over commodity. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think you also, you know, with the long term value, it comes back to people. That's why people hate marketing is because they think it's about advertising sale and they don't realize it's about building relationship and providing value. That's and, right. And and not being a commodity. Um, right. So, Brian, uh, you know, we're uh, this is all fantastic. I, I, I'd i like to hear from you because you've done so much. And if you don't mind, tell me what's one of your the hardest or biggest failures or biggest things that didn't work the way they were supposed to. And what'd you learn from it? Yeah, I wrote, I wrote about one in one of my blogs and it's one that always sticks out in my mind. I have a lot of failures. You know, when you, when you work at this for 35 plus years, um, you know, it's easy to brag about the successes, but Mm -hmm. you know, you, you just said nice things about, I still haven't gotten to Williamsport either the umpire. So, um, but I mean, a lot, lot of failures. And when I made fail, when I had failures, some of them were millions of dollars. And so, the one that sticks out, and I'll tell you the lesson I learned from it. We, um, we got, we, we figured out direct response television in the mid two thousands to the tune of a two hundred to three hundred million dollar franchise. Uh, it took me a long time to figure it out, but we figured out how to do infomercials coming out of a direct mail product and then bringing it back to direct mail and also putting it online. It was a real O to O to O kind of case history. But the interesting thing is that most people who were doing infomercials at the time without getting into the details of the story, um, like one out of 20 or one out of 15 infomercials would work. These are the 28 and a half minute TV uh, commercials that you see all the time. Usually it says paid program on your TV or on your and so um, we did um, this, this incredible franchise and everybody said, you're going to have one out of 20 success rate. And we had a four out of five, our first five shows, four of them worked That's and awesome. each one better than the next. Right. So that was awesome. Right. So I said, I can do no wrong. Like I've, I've figured out this infomercial business where nobody else has. We were, you know, there were weeks we were 
there was one week we, we actually spent a million dollars in one week on media. We wow. did a bunch of weeks. We did a bunch of half a million. And for like two years, we were averaging probably 200,000 a week in spends. And we would always do two to one media ratio. So if you spend two, you were making about four. So it was it was a pretty cool business. Nice. So I'm thinking I can do no wrong, right? <laughs> and so I start coming up with all these other infomercial ideas with my producer. And we start, I would say, just when I look back now and I see the mistakes I made in terms of, you know, and, and so the lessons where I, you know, I was reading, because we did like nine in a row and they all failed after the four out of five, right? So that's the, that's the facts. One of them, I think, cost us almost a million bucks. Because I went with like a celebrity, I actually put some humor in it. I mean, I thought, I mean, I did all the things wrong that because I knew I know how to do infomercials, right? I, I, I get this business. It's a model. I've mastered it. So the biggest problem is I read my press clippings. You know, you read your press clippings that says you're great at this, you know, and worst thing in the world. So in that in that situation, like the biggest success of my career led to the one of the biggest failures of my career. And it, I don't there, there were some shows in those nine shows that looking back, I still don't understand why they didn't work, you know, because they yeah. were really good. But that's what direct marketing is about. It's about, you know, testing. It's about, you know, making sure that you you really go through the motions. And so. I mean, that was a huge lesson. I mean, it's a very simple lesson, but one that I would give to anybody because there's a lot of people that quote unquote crush it um, very, very quickly. <laughs> I love using that term when I talk about things from the 1980s because that term didn't exist then. I hate the term. Um, but they crushing it in, in, in something and then they start, you know, really extending themselves in a way. And it's more about what they read in their press clippings as opposed to really building on the success slowly. Um, so with that, yeah, there's a lot of detail involved in that story, but that was like the big, a big lesson for me and one that, you know, I may make some similar mistakes like that again, but I hope not. Yeah, I mean, it, but I think that you made a good point of learning from the ego. And if you can identify that, you know, I've been hearing that a lot more lately from people and, you know, ego prevents us from success and then also will, stop it too. Um, and it's funny because I, I ask this question to a lot of people and a lot of times I ask them what their biggest success is and their biggest failure. And they're usually tied in together. Either one, you know, one lead, the failure leads to the success or the success leads to the failure. Yeah. I think that's a good, that's a really good, I hadn't thought of it that way. Like my biggest success led to my biggest failure. And I've heard the other a lot, you know, the, the bootstrap entrepreneur who the biggest failure ended up being what led to how they got successful. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Brian, awesome. So I want to ask you, if you don't mind, um, you know, is there anything that because we we go into strategy and I try and help people with some video strategy. Are you doing anything with video for the book or anything like that you have coming out? Yeah. Yeah. So video, I mean, obviously video is great. Again, one of those things, one of the one of the things in our toolkit, you know, that we can use in a variety of ways. Um, so I use I mean, I actually did a I did a, a, a full day conference uh, a couple of years ago with John Benson, who is one of the great video sales letter copywriters. Um, I always bring into my mastermind groups, people who teach video. I think video is, is a component that is just so important. And I just started, you know, I love writing. 
So my weekly blog was writing, but I wasn't getting it out weekly because it's hard to write, whereas it's easy to, much easier to do five-minute video. And I'm finding that my audience likes my five-minute videos as much or more than my long, you know, 1,500-word, you know, text blog. So now I'm doing both. Um, the other thing that, you know, as far as in, in, a, in a bonus package, um, you know, I think video, the idea, I mean, I've seen some great models with uh, documentary films where you get, you know, a free preview and then you buy even the DVD. Um, and, and those launches have done really well. I love seeing video used like that. And even in this, uh, thelegendsbook.com that we just talked about, which is my, my new book, The Advertising Solution, the book's not even out. It's not going to be out till early October, although I don't know, whenever this airs, it, it might be out already. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever it's out, I mean, I'm able to create a bonus package where people can pre-order my book at thelegendsbook.com on wherever they want, Amazon or Barnes & Noble, come back, it, it opens a new window, they buy the book, they send me the receipt to this email address on that page at thelegendsbook.com. And what they're getting is a swipe file of all the stuff that I couldn't put in the book from those six legends I talked about. But the beauty of it is that on the page, I created these videos. So I've got like these rare classic videos of Gary Halbert, who's one of the greatest oh, copywriters nice. of all time. I've got Gene Schwartz, who's one of the greatest copywriters of all time. And I've got David Ogilvy, who was the greatest advertising man of all time. So I've got this page of all these videos and I can just give them away. And again, let's go back to creating value. I'm selling a $17 book, but what you I mean, people will, I'm, I'm pretty transparent about what I'm doing. I'm not making money on the book. I want them to be on my list because I want them to come to that page. They're going to opt in to get this incredible swipe file, these incredible videos, the incredible, um, uh, it's a PDF of actually a, a, a scientific advertising by Claude Hopkins in an illustrated and annotated form. That's really rare. They can get that on the page too with five other special reports. All they got to do is opt in. Yeah, they're going to be on my list. And <laughs> yeah, I'm going to like not sell them used cars, not Provide sell them, a ton them of value. I'm going to create even more value because I'm going to send them a weekly blog with stories like we've talked about today. And someday, being totally transparent, I'm going to try to sell them something. I'm going to sell them another educational product that's something that they're going to want. Anybody who downloads that stuff is uh, is someone who I want in my tribe, buying my courses, buying stuff about learning direct marketing. So to me, that's how you build a business. And so I know you asked about video, but video is a big component of that. And so yeah. if I can help you in any way to emphasize how important that is because it's such a accessible meaning. The one thing I have noticed is that when I went from nine minutes to even five minutes on my video blogs, the engagement was so much higher. Now, video sales letters go 45 minutes with no controls, right? And we know that the engagement factors are pretty high in the people that end up buying the high price product. But if you're just, you know, blogging, I mean, Facebook Live's going through, you know, just incredible. But I think that someone who goes on Facebook Live, who's not doing a training, but is just on there pontificating for more than, you know, five or six minutes. I don't know. I mean, personal opinion, I'll, I'll, I don't know what the, I don't know what that number is for most people. It looks like it's about five or six minutes. I'm curious what your opinion is. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's it, the, the only reason to have Facebook Live for longer is because if you go like the first five or six minutes, it's they're building the audience. So then, you know, the, yeah. then, then you start getting more engagement later on. But I agree with you. If it's just someone pontificating, um, if you don't put your good stuff up front, you're going to lose in the longer term. And also people, you know, you have to pay attention to where they are, like literally where they are on the Internet. You know, we we built videos that we have a seven minute video, but we put uh, that's on the website, but it's a one minute version of that video that's out on YouTube because you have to know where someone's attention span is and yeah. understanding where they are. Can you, you know, tell, like, can you can you do that with? Um, I sound like an idiot, but can you do that mobile versus computer and say I only want to give them the the, the one minute on their phone, but I'll give them the seven minute on their computer? Um, I, not as far as I know. I don't think you can limit you can but the you, concept makes sense, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and uh you know it's just showing how much time. If you don't have if you have that scrub bar, right? Then you know how much time is av- available and yes. people will see that. Um uh, but if they're deeper into the buying process, they're going to watch 7, 8, 9, 10, 20 minutes. Oh well, in in launches, you know, I think Jeff Walker recommends, you know, pre-launch pre-PLC, pre-launch content. You know, I think is anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes because you're actually doing some training. You're giving away a lot of content. But even I, I think for like for me anyway, I'm I'm I told my guy who does my tech, my, my blog videos, I want them. My first couple were like eight or nine minutes. And now I want them like five max. Yep. Yeah. Well, it, it, and for this is a big thing for people to remember in video. And I talk about it a lot is what you you have is the mere exposure effect. So the more someone watches you in action, the more that they think you're their friend. It's it's yeah. it's, it's not it's a it's a psychologically proven co- concept, and it's deep in our, it's seated in our brain back to caveman days. So if you can get them to hit play, knowing that they're going to watch for two minutes, and the more they can do that, the better off you are. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense. Yeah, one thing I I mean, just a little recommendation. I would love to see a little about us video about you on your homepage, just about like your history and stuff. So, you know, I could see. Yeah, I have not done a big, you know, you can see I'm so, I'm so about list building. My website, my, my page is not a website. It's a squeeze page. Yeah. It's a squeeze page with content is what it is. And so I agree with you. I have just have not made, I agree. uh, Guilty as charged. Yeah. You know, I agree. And Um, that's one thing because, you know, at direct response, especially coming from, old school direct mail where Google wasn't around. So you controlled that funnel completely. And even up to a few years ago, you controlled the funnel completely, but now Google's there. They're going to be like, Hey, let me do some quick research about Brian Kurtz. Boom, boom, boom. And then come back to the funnel. I, I will say just, just the stuff I've done, legendsbook.com and getting a book out and the blogs and all of that. I'd say a year ago, even when you just Googled Brian Kurtz, you'd get the trunking, you get a trucking company in Nebraska or, you know, the, the real estate guy, wherever. And now I think if you just put Brian Kurtz in you're, Google, I do come up first. Yeah. You're, you're number one. Yeah. Which is great. Right. Which I tell you, I didn't even have that going for me because I did not, you know, I know you're the search expert. Maybe I need to hire you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm always here. You can always uh, shout out to me, you know, because it's that online reputation management, right? Because it, right. it's, it's it, I just had a discussion with an attorney who is like, well, you know, I've got an old website. I'm like, hey, but how much are you spending per square foot? He spent like, like $2,500 a square foot for his audio, uh, his office. And I'm like, how many people see your office compared to your website? 
Yeah. <laughs> and it's that's that a perception. really good argument. I like that. It's it's yeah. perception. Um, yeah. And that's where that perception keeps driving, driving, driving. And the more you can control that perception, the more effective every other piece of your marketing is. And thinking yeah, about I mean, people. I, 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 I'm of two minds. I don't want to spend a lot of time, you know, over designing a website, but I totally agree. I, it, it deserves to have a little bit more of, you know, credibility and, you know, not just be a squeeze with some content. So the, no, I agree. the number two most used page on any website and it's the most important is the about us page. Yeah. And, you know, we've done the studies and, you know, you see the user flow and I tell people all the time, user flow is homepage about us page. They spend time there and if it's good. They go to the contact page or order form or whatever. So yeah. it, it's super important. Always be thinking about that. Thank um, you. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for being on uh, thelegendsbook.com. I mean, even if you're not into marketing, those I'm excited to see those videos. Uh, you know, Gary Ogilvie, I mean, kind of invented American Express. <laughs> yeah. But da- no, David Ogilvie, I mean, his book, Gary, Ogilvie, on David advertising Ogilvie. and, and um, uh, Confessions of an Advertising. The beauty of my, of my book uh, that I did with Craig Simpson, we, we were co-authors, um, it's called the advertising solution. The beauty of the book, even if, as you say, if you're not into marketing, it's actually all the fundamentals and it's actually a shortcut because you don't have to go read these six greats of marketing. We've got the gist of it. It's not a digest, but it definitely takes the greatest hits from six of the greatest advertising and marketing men of all time. And then you get these bonuses. I, I think the book really serves a nice purpose. And going back to your question about you know, the things that the entrepreneur should know about marketing. These are all fundamentals that would be really good to know so that when you hire an agency or, and even though I don't like agencies as much, but if you hire a, a a la carte copywriter, media buyer, search specialist, Facebook expert, it'll help you ask questions in the context of how am I going to get response out of this? How am I going to get measurability and metrics that I can pay for my advertising. So in that respect, I think the book is really, really useful for people who actually don't know a lot about marketing or advertising. Awesome. Awesome. So everyone, legendsbook.com with Brian Kurtz, a legend himself. Brian, thanks again for being on the show. And I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for all the input you gave me. And everyone, thanks for taking Brian and I on your journey. And this has been the Garlic Marketing Show with High and Garlic. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook.